This is On Your Radar, a series of podcasts recorded at the studios of WGN Radio with the professionals from Rosecrans. Hi again, I'm John Williams, and with us today is Dave Gamel. He is the president and CEO of the Rosecrans Healthcare Network. Uh, Dave, uh, welcome to our podcast series. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to speak about this important topic. So you are the CEO. What role do you play in the overall healthcare network? Well, the Rosecrans Health Network actually spans three states, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Um, almost 1,400 employees serve over 50,000 patients a year within these facilities. And in Illinois, really from central Illinois all the way up uh, through northern Illinois. And my job is to give them vision and, and keep them moving forward. For 100 years, Rosecrans has been doing this, inpatient, yeah. outpatient, in more innovative ways now as the technology has changed. What's the vision for mental health care these days? Well, mental health care is really in transition in part because of the pandemic and good things have come from the pandemic as we know and people like to discuss one of them is the delivery of care access to care is a really important subject and those who live in arenas that have uh, adequate to good behavioral health care are are fortunate Uh, many are not and so telehealth has become a really important piece of what we do. The pandemic has pushed so many areas of our society in so many different directions. And it seems like during and now out of the pandemic, we do talk about this mental health crisis that we have in America. And that's why we asked you to visit with us today. Let's talk about that, if in fact that is the case. And two words that sound similar are phrases, and I think are used interchangeably, but maybe should not be, mental health and mental illness. First, let's just talk about where we are as a country right now. How would you define our overall mental health? Is it worse coming out of the pandemic? Are we just more appreciative of the challenges? I mean, kind of lay the land for me a little bit here. Well, I think as a country, we've just been through one of the most traumatic events of of our generation, multiple generations, and we have come out of this uh, in some ways more resolved and stronger, but in many ways traumatized and broken. And what we're seeing is increased levels of depression and anxiety. Uh, we had started to make grounds in things such as uh, drug overdose and deaths by overdose, which have just skyrocketed during the pandemic and continue, specifically opioid, synthetic opioid overdose Um Access to care, as we started talking about, was limited because everyone was sheltered in place. Uh, Youth were especially hit hard because the social uh, systems put in place to support these kids, the schools and the after-school activities and the sports and the adults who care for these kids who would identify signs and symptoms of mental illness or mental distress uh, were not in place. And so... Like any uh, illness, if it goes untreated, uh, it gets worse. And that's what we saw as a country. 
it's probably difficult to quantify it, isn't it? Like I could tell you by county how many people have had COVID, how many people have died of COVID, how many people inoculated against COVID. I don't know that we can do that about mental health. And yet I would imagine that all of those metrics that you might have in your industry are spiked. But do we have a number? Do we have a way to quantify it? We, we do, and, and you will see, depending on the source, uh, ranges from 20% to 40% of Americans who are in mental distress or some form or level really? of mental illness. Well, I would call that a crisis. I mean, is there a level by which we then use the C word, crisis? Um, are we there right now? I think we're in a crisis for two reasons. One, like we talked about, the trauma and and the ensuing uh, symptoms that come from mental illness. And two, we're in a crisis of providers. We don't have enough individuals working in the field of behavioral health care to treat the ongoing demand. Um, People have left, as in all industry, the uh, positions. There's vacancies in all uh, forms of business. And behavioral health has been hit the hardest because the caregivers, they themselves are suffering, and the job is hard. And so they've moved into other arenas, leaving this void of help for people. What's a behavioral health? What does that mean? So behavioral health care is really the uh, key term for the type of treatment that Rosecrans provides. In our case, it's really mental health and substance use disorder treatment. Um, That's more of an an industry uh, buzzword called behavioral health. Mental health and substance use. So, And those uh, often commingle, but they don't necessarily have to, right? That is, people who are abusing drugs or alcohol may also have some mental health problems, but not necessarily, right? Correct. Uh, they could. It's it's a diagnosis like any other physical diagnosis that you would have, and it's a distinct diagnosis: depression or anxiety or schizophrenia, substance use disorder. These are all uh, different diagnoses that fall within the field of behavioral health. So, so, is this safe to say we all have some baseline mental health? Right, like uh, uh, you're relatively well, say, right? And then I'm just guessing here, but maybe any one of a number of factors might exacerbate my mental health vulnerabilities, and now I'm anxious, or now I'm depressed, or now I'm uh, drinking too much, or something else has manifested itself in my mental health baseline. Am I now mentally ill? I'm trying to distinguish between whatever my mental health is and and whether or not I'm mentally ill or not. Right. Identifying the difference between mental illness and mental health is is so important. Um, An individual, uh, their psychology, their emotion, their mood, their sense of well-being, that all goes into health. Not any different than the physical health that you think of. Now, I can be, you can be uh, physically healthy people overall, but still have a bad shoulder, right? Or a bad knee or a, a crick in your neck that's pulling down your overall health, but you're generally a healthy person. You can be mentally, emotionally, psychologically a healthy individual, and you can have a mental illness with appropriate treatment and care. No different than I take cholesterol medicine, still work out every single day, but have this condition that requires medication or some level of treatment. A mental illness is diagnosed by a physician, a psychiatrist, uh, 
uh, someone who identifies this illness and has a specific course of treatment for that illness. I wonder if they all do need to be addressed. Some of us just say, well, my shoulder hurts and I'm not going to play softball anymore. Um, I wonder how much of this a person could be expected to manage on their own. So, you know, 530 this morning, I'm working out. And I hear on the radio, WGN, uh, about a rocket being shot over Japan. Yeah. And uh, the leader of Russia threatening nuclear war and a horrific death in the city of Chicago of a, a young person. That creates anxiety within me. I'm, I'm anxious by 6 a.m. That doesn't mean I'm mentally ill because of ang- I have anxiety. It's no different than if I put my hand near a fire, uh, my body tells me, pull back, right? Something's wrong here. Something's wrong in our world when you have these examples that I have. That anxiety is not a mental illness. Now, I allow that anxiety to fester, and that anxiety begins to debilitate me. It starts to impact my ability to have a healthy relationship uh, or work or the way I function or feel. Then I'm moving into a spectrum of mental illness that may require professional help, if that makes sense. That's a nice analogy, and I think – It does explain why maybe 20 to 40% of us are experiencing some form of mental illness is the Mm. right word because there is not only access to information, but there's all of these flashpoints in the world to say nothing of the baseline of coming out of a pandemic. Um, I wonder what people do about that and what they should do about all of that. We can't have this conversation without talking about stigma, Uh, first of all. People will say, hey, I broke my arm, I went to the orthopedic, and and uh, you'll get empathy and, and sympathy and, and discussions. I would not, in general society, be so open to say, hey, I'm suffering from major depression right now. This is a silent disease that is so stigmatized because people think, well, you're weak then at this point, or you need to pray more, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There's something that you need to do to treat this illness uh, because it's not really an illness. You're an alcoholic. Well, just stop drinking. Drink less. Uh, Don't go to the bar. These are all symptoms of the disease that require treatment. But because our society stigmatizes behavioral health conditions, mental illness, substance use disorders so significantly, it deters individuals from wanting to seek care. Uh, We've had some horrific tragedies here in Illinois uh, recently, um, obviously the individuals such as in Highland Park who create uh, horrific crimes and 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 unthinkable trauma and and damage uh, are they quote unquote right in the brain? Of course not. But that is so different than a person suffering from anxiety or depression that needs to seek counseling in order to have a, a greater sense of well-being and functioning in their life. And to equate the two is ridiculous. Uh, there is no equation in that regard. But that stigma moves over. And so you hear, oh, this person's mentally ill. Obviously, uh, the person committing horrific crimes is mentally ill. That's different than what we're talking about, the tens of millions of Americans who need to access help in order to live a more healthy life. I wonder where we are as a society in um, suggesting that somebody's using 
their anxiety level or whatever mental health struggle they have as an excuse, as a scapegoat for their um, inability to connect or perform or their um, lack of desire to be a fully functioning member of society. I guess what I'm saying is, do we almost suggest to them that they're using mental health, quote-unquote, as some sort of excuse when it's not really that. It's just they're not getting the job done. They, they, need, to, you know, they need a kick in the butt. They don't need anything else. I suppose there are the exceptions of individuals that would use any medical uh, malady as an excuse not to do what they need to do within their life, whether it be a sore foot or a sore back or feeling depressed. That's that's not the majority, and 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 frankly, that's the kind of thought process that stigmatizes the illness that people don't want to seek help because these are not uh, illnesses of willpower or lack of willpower. Um, that would be the exception, not the not the rule. Does one lead to another, or are they all separate events? Is one kind of mental uh, illness going to give you another kind of mental illness? Does it, you know, does the snowball get bigger and bigger, or are they separate issues? This is manic depression. This is anxiety. This is um, schizophrenia, etc. Do they? Yeah, that's roll a good question. That's an interesting question. You know, so you have biologic conditions. You know, schizophrenia is a biologic disorder. Depression is a biologic disorder that requires medication to assist that individual um, moving forward. You also have uh, social uh, impetus that will push someone. You have individuals that live in traumatic situations that obviously will uh, stimulate um, mental distress. Um, people living in abusive situations, people under high degrees of stress. Uh, you know, we have an unacceptable level of people dying by suicide, people, first responders, people in law enforcement, um, people under this oppressive feeling of stress and anxiety, which creates these symptoms left untreated. Uh, this isn't a, a lack of willpower, someone that dies by suicide. It's they don't have any other option or way out. Well, I'm thinking about some of the examples of this mental health crisis that we're experiencing in the country. People who die by suicide, uh, the unruly or undisciplined behavior of kids in school. And those are maybe different ends of the spectrum. But right. I, I must say that everybody I know in education, we had this conversation on the radio today to the person, at least in the first half of the 2022-23 school year, said that the kids that came back had regressed you know, that their social skills, to say nothing of their academic skills, had regressed. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Rosecrans is in dozens and dozens and dozens of schools. We provide therapy in the schools. Um, we are one of the larger providers of mobile crisis response. When kids are in distress, we go into the communities throughout Illinois and we lend support to uh, the parents or the teachers or whomever's having um uh, struggles with with the young people. Uh, this lack of structure and uh, the stress of the pandemic have regressed kids. And we see it academically. We see it in their math scores. We see it in their behaviors. Uh, it took uh, an unknown toil on our children, and we're seeing the results today. I suppose um, if you 
if you were the czar of mental health of the United States, you would want to then set up as many structures, you know, school, work, church, family, government, police, all of the things that we sort of um, ask to monitor our behavior or guide us in our lives. It'd be nice if those were on sound footing. The pandemic just threw all of that out the window, didn't it? Correct. It did. It, it disrupted the foundation of our health care, you know, and and this field is uh, historically underfunded. It's under-resourced. It's full of stigma. And so uh, we in our field fight hard to equal uh, footing. And then this pandemic just took it out from underneath us. And it sometimes feels like we're starting over. Really, do you not feel that the mental health community gets the care, attention, funding that cancer does or heart disease does? I don't have any statistics to show that. I do know that mental health care is at the tip of many legislators' uh, tongues right now. Actually, Mayor Lightfoot here in Chicago just announced a large sum of money that she's putting into behavioral health care for the city of Chicago. Well, the federal government just passed a – and mind you, we are sitting here in early October of 2022, but the idea is to spend $300 million in that direction. But that's attached – one of your colleagues said in a separate podcast that we've recorded that um, it, we'll take the money any way we can get it and find the best way we can to spend it. But that was uh, spurred in large part because of these mass violent issues. So the hope was that that money would address those. Um, I hope it does. But frankly, I'd like them to see that money spent in ways that touch as many lives as possible with things like anxiety up and down the ladder. I presume you would agree with that. Uh, I mean, you're touching on prevention and you're touching on early intervention. And perhaps that's most important um, uh, to intervene on individuals who have uh, disadvantaged um, up bringing, for lack of a better word, people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged, who don't have support systems in place, if you look at the kids most impacted by this pandemic, it was typically not those of higher wage earners. It was those that parents are struggling already financially, didn't have some of the social support systems in place, so they relied more heavily on schools. And these are the kids that are more negatively impacted, um, a higher uh, presence of people of color, of kids of color. Uh, it's... It's unfair, it's disadvantaged, and we need to continue to work harder to help these kids that are most vulnerable so they don't fall into further depression, anxiety, mental illness. Well, you know, you've touched on a few things here, but I mean, the stigma, the lack of access for some people. We've talked about what a divisive or challenged society it is just as we follow the news. I suspect that social media is... Uh, well, you answer that. Helpful, hurting, neutral. Where does social media come in? I mean, we could do a few more podcasts here on social media and what its impact is on on society, on youth, on uh, body amorphism and body image. Um, uh, I, frankly, for young people, I don't think social media has helped in any way. I think it has just created unrealistic expectations and influences. Um, it has exposed kids to things they may not have otherwise been exposed to. It's created in adults, people like us. When I see how cool John Williams and his family is and what they're doing on the weekend, and I'm sitting at home 
watching Netflix, you know, binging uh, the Game of Thrones or whatever it is, thinking, I wish I could be John Williams, when in reality, uh, you show one glimpse of one moment of your, your day. I think social uh, media has put expectations in place that no one can live up to. Now, I also think we can use social media, I think we can use media in general to uh, debunk some of the stigmas that are associated with behavioral health, that we can celebrate people who are in recovery, people who have had mm. changes in their lifestyle and overcome uh, challenges to move into wellness. Um, use it for the good. Well, speaking on behalf of John Williams, I can assure you that on Friday nights we're sitting around and my wife and I not infrequently have a conversation like this. I'll say, well, let's call the Gamels or let's call the Smiths or the Johnsons or something. Let's go do something. And she'll say, well, I'm sure that they're doing something on a Saturday night. They don't need us to pal around with. I think that that is even more endemic in the business culture. How many of us are staying at home working and aren't interacting with other individuals in offices or schools or factories. And so I think this sort of isolationism that the media, that the technology has allowed is, is not helping us in terms of our mental health. We are uh, facing kind of an unusual social endemic with people who have great anxiety going back into the office. They've become accustomed to the Zoom and almost the depersonalization of that, moving from meeting to meeting while sitting in their pajamas or whatever the stereotype is. By the way, uh, you recall early in the pandemic, all of the social media jokes about consuming more alcohol than in their entire – this was not helping our cause. People sitting at home alone now drinking excessively is just pushing uh, the issues of alcoholism and, and substance use disorders. Um, it it has created very unique challenges. Well, you all had to resort to, and maybe this is the. Uh, I'll finish that thought. You all had to resort to telemedicine or Zoom uh, uh, conferences with clients and staff because of the pandemic. But it's been seen as a path forward for all industry. I wonder if you would comment on that. Is that going to help you or challenge your your field? Yeah, it's interesting. At Rosecrans, we overnight, like many people, had many organizations had to turn to telehealth for all of your outpatient care and uh, adapted well as the restrictions lifted and people became uh, back in person. Uh, we've left it to the consumer's choice. What are you more comfortable with mm -hmm. in person? Some that have very, very busy lifestyles that really can't, they can only take that 45 minutes or hour. It's very helpful. Some that prefer the face-to-face -face contact, they do that. So we really use this hybrid approach, which uh, is, is helpful because there's so many rural areas in the state of Illinois that – um, can't get to a clinic, but now have access, assuming they have internet, broadband, high-speed internet, um, have access to care that wasn't available before. So that's a, a silver lining in all this. I wanted to ask you this, too. Do you think that mental health, this conversation that you and I are having, is that being blamed for the, the mental health challenges we have right now? Is that 
being blamed for a lot of the other problems that we see in society, be it crime or political divisiveness, or uh, pick this story that you were talking about on the news. Um, Maybe that's what I was thinking about earlier when I used the word scapegoat, but I wonder if we're overplaying that hand a little bit. I don't know that I'm qualified to answer uh, with any fact. I Again, I am reluctant when people say, well, this is an excuse. I'm reluctant to even acknowledge that argument because I think that's the minority of of people. I think mental illness is real. Uh, mental health is a spectrum. And on any given day, you or I can be functioning very well and sometimes functioning not as well. How much sleep did you get last night? Did you have an argument with your partner? Um, did your child... Uh, do something, you know, I have three kids, so I can give you a lot of examples uh, (laughs) there. Um, I don't believe the majority use mental health as an excuse. I think those that are in distress are legitimately in in distress. And I would, I would fight uh, to allow those people to continue to express themselves. I think a lot of us too, let's assume for a minute that um, I'm, my mental health is is pretty good, mm-hmm. but I myself in the last years and even in the last months have felt pangs of shortness of breath or anxiety, and now I'm having not constructive conversations with myself about what if, what if, what if. Um, I wonder what you would say about that, and if I can appreciate that challenge to my relative good health, imagine somebody who didn't have the baseline that I did. I mean, suddenly I'm like, wow, if if this is how challenging it feels to me, kind of out of the blue, imagine what everybody else is going through. Because your baseline is higher, and so your uh, impairment is less severe. However, uh, your feelings of anxiety, shortness of breath, racing heart is something that you should talk about, is something you should acknowledge. And it could be, uh, I don't want to say a simple, but integrating meditation or deep breathing uh, into your daily routine, 10 minutes, right, to kind of recenter yourself. It may be having a conversation with a friend. It may be seeing a counselor on a short-term basis to talk about these feelings, you know there are evidence-based treatments, cognitive behavioral therapy, other uh, dialectic behavioral therapy that you can integrate in order to help you. And again, the spectrum because your baseline may be higher than someone else's doesn't mean you don't deserve to feel content the majority of the time. But I think it's interesting that you talk about that spectrum because I think that's the challenge in your industry that if maybe some behavioral health things like uh, meditate or exercise just sort of manage that little pang that you're feeling right now, John, uh, the danger is that I will turn to somebody whose mental health is not as robust or whose crisis is more severe than mine, and I'll say, well, exercise, as though that will solve their problem. I suspect that's the headwind you run into all the time. So we talk about mental health and mental illness, and that's why it was so important we clarified that early on. You and I, you know, I I exercise, I meditate, I do things to keep myself, my mental health strong. I eat right, I sleep. Uh, But I, in fact, do have a mental illness and have had a diagnosed mental illness since 12 years old. 
Uh, and so I also need therapy associated with that. Some individuals need uh, psychopharmacology therapy. They need medication or psychiatry associated with their illness. The two are uh, not part and parcel. They're, and they're not interchangeable. They're two different ways. And again, back to the, you got a tweak in your shoulder, but you can be otherwise a pretty healthy person. Uh, you still should get your shoulder checked out. Right, that can still improve uh, your overall lifestyle and and where you go. How important to maintaining good mental health is acknowledging to others that you have had a mental health issue? Well, again, it's stigma. Uh, you know, when I I am very open about my history and and my uh, mental illness. I've been married almost thirty years. I've been employed by Rosecrans almost thirty years. I've I've. Uh, given back to the community in many different ways, raised three incredible children. Um, I'm proud to say I'm a person with a mental illness who lives a very productive life. Um, it's also important for me to say, hey, I feel some symptoms of of this, and I need to talk to a professional to help get me back on track and where we go. Um, I've overcome the stigma in some regards because of the personal professional successes for lack of a better word uh, that i've had someone that doesn't have that luxury it's not so easy to talk about this john one of your colleagues was on a separate podcast we visited with dr thomas wright and he also talked about how if we say satisfy somebody's most basic mental health need they're having some sort of mental health crisis and we get them back to a manageable baseline for other diseases that might solve the problem but for a person who wants to be flourishing it's not just enough to get over the mental bump but now how do we elevate that person that must be a whole nother level of mental health challenges you're talking about recovery and i'd always uh go with dr Wright. he's a lot smarter than i am but uh what you're talking about he's talking about is recovery so you can treat the initial illness or mental illness in this case but is that sufficient, or do you want to improve yourself and improve your life in a different way? You'll hear people that are recovering from substance use disorder talk about being a grateful alcoholic. Well, that seems ironic, but they'll tell you if it's not for their alcoholism, they wouldn't be living and flourishing in life that they have today. They had to experience that pain and that trauma in order to get into recovery and now flourish in a different way. It's interesting that you say that. I've spoken to people who have gone through alcohol recovery programs via Rosecrans, and you have never seen a more vibrant, uh, appreciative group of people. Now, that maybe doesn't describe everybody, but what you just described, I'm sure they would have preferred to live a life where they didn't struggle with alcoholism, but wow, do they appreciate their life now that they seem to have it under control. John, I've been at Rosecrans almost 30 years. I planned on staying a year, uh, and here I am, bald and gray, uh, and I stay because of the tens of thousands of success stories that I hear about constantly. People stop me on the street, they recognize my name or my company and say, you help save my, my kid, my my partner's life, and I'm so grateful. That's why I keep coming every single day. Let's just finish this conversation with the mental health crisis then. I don't need to dwell on the fact that we seem to be dealing with that, challenged by that here in America today. 
Now, what direction are we going? What would you prescribe for us? What would you hope for an individual listening to this or Chicago, Illinois, the Midwest, America? So for the individual listening to this who may feel discomfort, please get help. Please ask for help. Ask a a counselor. um, uh, If you're a young person, ask a a school counselor or a coach or a parent. If uh, you're an adult, there's the 988 crisis line, which is being rolled out across the country right now that can link you. Call Rosecrans. Get on our website. There are so many good providers uh, in and around the city of Chicago that you can reach out to. Please don't let the fear of stigma stop you from, as your words are, flourishing. For those who are policymakers and those who are uh, industry leaders, what I would say is adequately fund behavioral health so we can pay our providers sufficiently to move forward. Um, Encourage, incentivize people to enter this field so they get proper training that they can care for the individuals hurting. Because people are hurting, they need help, they're waiting for help. Uh, and they can't access it because those providers aren't there. We are growing leaps and bounds in the city of Chicago and the suburbs because there's just not enough provisions for people who need help. And I keep hearing it, and we keep opening sites, uh, and we keep hearing we need more help on top of that. Um, uh, we need to support uh, treatment for behavioral health. It is as important as infrastructure to a city as electricity. If you don't have proper mental health uh, substance use treatment, then we can't prosper as a city, as a state, as a country. Uh, we'll continue to stay down. We've got to embrace this uh, wholeheartedly. You know, I think about the challenges that we face anywhere in the country right now, unemployment and homelessness and uh, the kids at school and uh, you know the crisis in Ukraine and the missiles flying over Japan, et cetera. And you're right. If you said, what's one thing that strings all these together, it's that – We need to hope that everybody has sufficient mental health, mental wherewithal, that we're at least well enough to begin to address these things, that we can at least function in and around these things, make these issues better. But how are we going to do that if we don't tend to the mental well-being of the individuals? Yeah. I mean, it is uh, health of a society is physical health, is uh, mental health, it's equity amongst uh, all individuals. It's having access to education and food and uh, uh, equal access, regardless of uh, uh, gender or or orientation or race. Um, uh, Mental health, in my mind, uh, no pun intended, is, is top the list. That's uh, Dave Gamel. He is the president and CEO of the Rosecrans Health Network. And boy, am I glad you guys are there. Dave, it's nice to see you again. Thanks for joining us on, um, on our podcast. Today. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. This is On Your Radar, a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, getting help is just a click away. Go to rosecrans.org. Rosecrans, life's waiting.